Thank you for listening to the Pentecostals of Bossier City Sermon Podcast. For more information, including our live webcast schedules, please visit www.pobc.cc. I'm going to go directly into the Word of God if you'd remain standing with me. Our passage is from Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Now Jericho was tightly shut. Everybody say tightly shut. Because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand with its king and its valiant warriors. You shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up, every man straight ahead. So if you would, before we proceed tonight, would you let out a shout of triumph from your voice, from the depths of your soul, call out. I think we can do a lot better than that. Shout with a voice of triumph to God above. Why don't you put a hand clap of that praise with that shout to God for a moment. Jesus name. Jesus name. You may be seated. This morning, Pastor Dean had a little trouble at one point because he was trying to figure out a way to emphasize that he was not going to hold you long and he said that we had to beat the Baptist to Bonanza. Does anybody know what Bonanza even is? We do have some people that know Bonanza. I've never been to a Bonanza but in the effort to be of service to my father and my pastor I decided I'm going to come up with a list that can probably give us some ideas for the future. We can beat the Baptist to Buffalo Wild Wings. Or B-dubs, if you will. And if you don't want to just stop there, we can say we're going to beat the Methodists to Monjunis, the Nondenoms to Nukes, the Presbyterians to Popeyes, can I get an amen? The Catholics to Canes, the Assembly of Gods to Arby's, the Lutherans to Logans, the Church of Christ to Chili's, and the Jehovah's Witnesses to Johnny's. And if you have to throw in another group, say we'll beat the Atheists to just being awake on a Sunday morning. We have plenty of options here in Bossier City. Tonight I'm going to speak on this subject. Hopefully, I don't know who we're trying to beat to the restaurant tonight or even if you're going out to eat at all. But I'm just going to speak for a few moments on this subject. The will to walk the walls. Some context for Joshua chapter 6. He's dealing with a motivated people. He's dealing with a generation that were ready to accomplish the task of going into Canaan in conquering that land. He's not dealing with a group that was kind of half-heartedly in this. This is a group that was absolutely invested into the mission that they had ahead of them. They'd marched the wilderness for 40 years. The generation that came before them had been rejected because of their unbelief. Because they said, it cannot be done. 
So God said, I'm going to raise a generation that actually believes what I say that it's going to come to pass. Even though the generation that I'm rejecting right now actually watched me part the waters of the Red Sea, they watched me precede them as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. At some point they said, this is enough, no more can be done. Hear me now when I say that God wants people that believe in Him not just for the steps that they took in the past, but for the steps that they will take tomorrow. And can I get an amen from everybody in the house? And one hand clap there, exactly one. (laughs) Thank you, Sister Dean. You can always count on Mama. God was consecrating them for the task that they had ahead of them. In these 40 years of them wandering the wilderness, they had kind of let some things go with their parents and specifically had let a few things go with their consecration. They wandered for these 40 years and during that time, their men were not part of the covenant as was already prescribed. They they were not circumcised. And so during this time, it didn't matter if they were 39 years old or 39 hours old. At that point, God said, before you proceed into the promised land, you must come into covenant with me. And so they do this and they wait for 14 days and they have a Passover feast and they do this nearby Jericho. And I'm sure the people in Jericho, they must have been wondering what they're doing for all this time. They must have been wondering what they were doing during this feast. They must have been wondering what was on the minds of this great number, this great multitude that sat outside their city walls. The whole story of Jericho is one confusing element after another. Nothing was straightforward with Jericho. Even God speaking to Joshua, directly to Joshua, even what he said was not completely and perfectly straightforward as we'll get to in just one second. They had a battle ahead of them and a battle to fight and a battle that they knew that they must be prepared for. And let me just say this as a side note. They consecrated themselves before Jericho. If you have some battles to fight in your life and you're needing God's help with them, please don't go into the fight without getting right with God. Come into the covenant with God. Repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus. Receive the Holy Ghost and have the covenant of the Bible, of the Word of God over your life before you proceed. They were ready. They were motivated. They were inspired and they were absolutely chomping at the bit to make the job happen. But make no mistake about it. They look at Jericho and they see a unique challenge. A challenge that on the surface seems almost impossible during this time. Jericho, it says, was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. The door was clamped shut. The lock was put on it. And they look even at the door of the city with its great walls, and they knew that God had to move in order for something to happen. But for every door that looks shut to us, God sees a way through, and He already has a plan. Because God is never intimidated by the impossible. Not remotely. He doesn't need to be. There's always a plan. It's like my son when he discovered that he could lock the doors of the house. He decides he's going to run into his bedroom. I'm wrestling with him and chasing him around the house. So he's going to get away and he locks himself in his bedroom. And I say, Raylan, open the door. And he says, ha, ha, no. And he just keeps on saying no. And I'm thinking, I, I hope he knows how to unlock it. He knows how to lock it. But can he unlock it? So what I did is above every single door in our house, there is a little key on the top of the door frame. 
and I just pull that little, that little key and I just insert into the door and I unlock that door. And when I swung the door open, he looked at me like I was Harry Houdini. He just started laughing. He said, how did you do that? I said, daddy can do anything. God never looks at an impossible obstacle and says there's no way through this for my people. There is always a plan. There is always something that God can and will do for those that push and those that walk in the will of his, of his holy word. I want to explain something about Jericho because going back into my, especially if you, if you grew up in a Sunday school, there were all these illustrations. And believe it or not, I've found that those illustrations that, that you look through in these books, they're not always perfectly biblically accurate. No, this is mind-blowing. It's just absolutely rocking somebody's world. But they weren't all perfectly accurate. In my family, we had something called the Picture Bible. Did anybody else out there have a Picture Bible? Just wave your hand at me. Yeah, we've had plenty of them. I've got ones for my boys. There's a Picture Bible. In the Picture Bible, when it shows Jericho, it shows just one solid wall going straight up. And in my mind, I don't know, I, I try to think back and I actually found a picture. There's a, from the Picture Bible, this is the wall of Jericho. Just looking up. It looks to be about 40, 50 feet high, straight up, and these people looking down at them and wondering, what are they doing, blowing those horns right now instead of actually attacking us? And this image gets stuck in my mind. And as a child, everything just seems a little bit taller, a little bit bigger, a little bit more daunting. And so in my mind, for most of the time that I've walked this earth, I see Jericho is this massive, straight-up wall extending 40, 50, 80, 100 feet high. In my mind, it just seems to get bigger and bigger. And you read the Word of God, and it doesn't give all that many details about what these walls actually looked like. You have to go back, and they excavated the ruins of Jericho, and they found out some really interesting things about this city. It was complicated. It's the oldest known protective wall. It had the oldest known protective wall in the history of the world that we know of. The oldest protective wall. And in my mind, I'm I'm always wondering, how big was this city? Does anybody know how big Jericho actually was? How many, you think, does anybody here think that it would be about a mile around to walk around? Anybody ever just thought that? Nobody's going to put their hands up? What about two miles around? What about... What about a quarter of a mile around? Nobody's even venturing a mild guess. Thank you for your participation tonight. Be blessed. Jericho, the the center of Jericho, the city center of Jericho was six acres. Six acres. Anybody here intimidated by six acres? The entire city with not just the inner walls but the outer walls It covered only 10 acres of space. For some context, this church property from the front here to the interstate, that's 10 acres. And I always wondered how long it took the Hebrew people to get around this city. I'm thinking it must have taken the entire day. Thinking it must have taken 12 hours for them to get around. i got news for you. I can walk around this church property even at a leisurely pace. And it's not taking all day. So it makes the story even more confusing. Because they're looking down at these Hebrew people walking around this city. It doesn't even take that long. And they just go back to their tents. They must have been scratching their heads. What are they doing? And see, I'm, I'm still thinking of these great walls, but this is the way that it worked. I came up with a little illustration. It's very basic. I apologize. But a little illustration to show you what it must have looked like. First of all, there was something sort of like a moat 
it was just this, this little area about 27 feet wide and about 9 feet deep. And it was just, it was carved out of solid bedrock. This was not an easy job. This took a long time. And it wasn't like they filled it up with water where they could just swim across. They couldn't bust it up. It was bedrock. So you have this, this moat around the city. And then you have this embankment here. It just rises up. It goes on for a while. And then you have this little wall, this stone wall that was about 12 to 17 feet high. Anybody intimidated yet? 12 to 17 feet high. And then on top of that, you have another layer of a mud brick wall. And that mud brick wall was about 20 to 26 feet high. And then you have another embankment that goes up. And on that embankment, you have another mud wall about 26 feet high. And then it went a little further, and you had a tower at the very top of the city that was 28 feet high. And they've tried to figure out what this tower was about. This tower had some purpose, and they've tried to speculate what it was. Sometimes they say it was large enough, and at the certain time of the day, when the sun would set, it would cast a shadow over the entire city. And it was meant to inspire awe to everybody that saw it. You saw this city from a distance. But what you have to know about Jericho is that even though the individual elements weren't that intimidating by themselves, when you walked up to the city, the optical illusion that it would create was a city that was 100 feet high. These individual elements might have been only 12, 17 feet, that second wall especially, 12, 17 feet, but there were houses that were lining those embankments, houses that were all over and scattered. And the entire city, from the inner, uh, the inner walls to the outer walls, only could contain about 3,000 people, and that was packed tight. But this city was made to withstand a siege. And at this time, they would have already gathered a harvest. They could have held out for one year in this city without a worry. A seemingly impossible situation, made worse by the illusion that it was absolutely insurmountable. The moat, the walls, the hills, the tower, it created an illusion that might have seemed small from a certain perspective but appeared to be ten stories high. The purpose of the wall in its entirety was to create awe and delusion, to deceive the people that walked up to it, the ones that wanted to conquer it, into saying it's not worth our time. From a certain perspective, it looked impossible. What you see in front of you, in your circumstance, in your situation, and we all have something is a wall that is 100 feet high, a gate that is locked shut, and an enemy prepared for a siege as long as we can muster. But what God sees is an opportunity for a walk. What he sees is an opportunity for a walk. Everything about Jericho was made to make itself look worse than it actually was, but you had a generation that patiently waited patiently waited and when God called they moved and they trusted this man named Joshua I have to read this passage for you again verses 1 and 2 of Joshua 6 Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel no one went out no one came in the Lord said to Joshua see I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors you shall march around the city all the men of war circling the city once Before you make one lap around this obstacle, 
before you pray your way through, before you rebuke your enemy, and before you shout the walls down. God himself has almost gotten the timeline confused. He can't even keep the tenses straight. He says, I have given Jericho into your hand. He's like, oops, oops, that's not exactly what I meant. Then he corrects himself. I will give Jericho into your hand. You shall march around this city. Stop acting like what God has declared as a certainty is not going to happen. Just because it does not yet look like what he has promised. We are fighting a fight every single day. Some of you pray the same prayers Every single day, you pray for a miracle. You pray for a blessing. You pray for a return to God from somebody that you know he's calling out to. And you wonder, how long do I have to pray this prayer? You don't look at the obstacle that's in front of you because you don't even see it from the right perspective. All you think is today, I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk. I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe and I'm going to trust in the God of my salvation. We get weary with the prayers. We get weary with some of the fight. We get weary with the worship, with the routine, with the going to church Wednesday, Sunday, Sunday night, going to a connect group, going to this or that, going to practice, going to meet up with somebody, going and doing all this, praying the same prayers while still living the life in this world. There is a fight that takes place within us every single day. But God just wants you to walk Because the battle, whether you know it or not, is already won. This is what God told Joshua. He gave him specifics. He said, send out armed men to go before you. Behind them have the priests with the trumpets. Behind them have the Ark of the Covenant. Behind them have a rear guard following up. And I want you to march around the city one time for six days. And then on the seventh day, march around seven times. And at the end of that last march, blow the trumpets, shout, the walls will come down. God gave Joshua specifics. He just lays it all out before him. But Joshua, I don't know if it was commanded by God and we just don't have the context or whatever. He doesn't tell him this. Joshua didn't give him the full story. Joshua left out some pretty crucial details when he told the people of Israel. He gave them the order to line up. Armed men, priests, Ark of the Covenant, rear guard. He gave them that order. And he also told them to march. He told them to go around one time. But he didn't tell, him for, he didn't tell them for how many days. And he didn't tell them about those last times that they were going to go around. He just said, when I give the order, shout. So these people, I've always thought that they're in on the plan. That it's like one of those, you know, those World War II propaganda films where you have the general and he's got like that long stick and he's up at the board and he's showing this is the front and this is where we're going to go down and this is what's going to happen. And all the men are nodding and taking down their notes. All the Hebrew men, they understand the plan. They had no clue. All they knew to do was to walk. All they knew how to do was march. And at some point they were going to let out a shout and the victory was going to take place, but they didn't know when. There were details that they did not have. He didn't tell them all of this. All they knew was to walk. Joshua 6 and 10, it says, But Joshua commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, nor let your voice be heard, nor let a word proceed out of your mouth until the day that I tell you, Shout, 
Then you shall shout. They didn't know. They just walked. How many times have you had the conversation with yourself? When is God going to step in? How long do I have to walk? How long do I have to pray this prayer? When is my healing coming? When is my kid coming home? When is my family going to receive this? When is the problem going to fall? When is the reward for my giving going to show up? Sometimes the only order that we have is just to walk. Just walk. You can ask for the details. You can ask for the next ten steps, but he might just give you the first. And just say, walk. Keep going. Don't get weary. Keep going. They didn't hear the plan from Joshua, and they didn't hear from God even directly. God set the course with Joshua, and he stayed, he stayed silent, and he waited for their walk of obedience. You've got to imagine what this must have been like to these people that were walking. They, they must have expected something on the first day. They just knew that they were walking. And Joshua said, all right, boys, let's go. And they're walking around this city. And as they're walking, they're, they're supposed to stay silent. They can't say anything to their neighbor. And you know that they must have taken a peek from time to time and looked at those walls. Looked at those walls that seemed insurmountable and just kind of wanted to see maybe just one brick falling down. Just something. Anything. But they just walk. And then they get done with their one lap. And Joshua says, all right, everybody back to the camp. The women weren't with them. They were back at the camp. And you know, the, when you get back from work, you have to go through the details of what the day was. And if you don't give sufficient details, you're not doing the right job. You have to give some details. So you have to imagine these soldiers, they come back to their tents, and they've got their family waiting there, and they say, what happened? Did you, did you kill one? Ten? What happened? Did you sell something over the wall? Was there any burning oil? Was there boiling oil that you poured on anybody? So you always want to know, was there any boiling oil that got poured on somebody's head? What happened? He's like, oh, well, today, uh, today we just had, we had a unique time. We just walked around the city. Twice? <laughs> no, no, just once. Were you observing? Were you looking for the weak points? No, we were, we were, just, we were just following our orders. We just walked around. And the second day they go out and you know they're still wondering, is this going to be a breaking point? Is something going to happen? Is anything going to fall off of those walls? And nothing. All you have is a bunch of curious people looking over this great obstacle and just looking down at these Hebrew people thinking they're the craziest people in the world. Day one must have been kind of strange. Day two must have been pretty awkward. Day three starts becoming routine and they're like, I'm not even going to look anymore. I'm just going to do what I got to do. Day four starts getting a little monotonous. Day five, they're getting tired. Day six, why are we here? What am I doing? Did Joshua even hear from God for real? Because they didn't have the whole plan. All they had was a command to walk, to proceed, to make a lap one after another one day at a time. And that's it. But day seven... Oh, day seven. Day seven was a different story. What I have to tell somebody tonight, 
You're wondering, when is the final breakthrough? I cannot give you that answer, but I can give you this. Just keep on walking. When you walk through these doors, keep on worshiping. When the altar is open, keep on praying. And when you find your prayer closet at home, you keep on praying and you keep on going to the throne and you keep on saying, God, I still believe in your power and I'm going to trust you with my whole heart. If you believe it, would you clap your hands and build up your faith just a little bit and say, God, it doesn't matter what comes ahead. I'm going to keep on walking. It doesn't matter what I see or what I don't see I'm going to keep on walking don't grow weary in well-doing in due season you'll reap if you faint not don't grow weary in the walk the wall wasn't any smaller on day four day five day six nothing Their perspective was blocked and their progress was not obvious. Their progress looked like nothing. All they knew is that they were tired from walking. Shouldn't we be conserving our energy, Joshua? I don't know if you see this embankment and I don't know if you see the next one. And I don't don't know if you see this bedrock moat that we've got to get across somehow. There's a moat, Joshua. We can't even fill it with anything. And in case you haven't noticed, it's all uphill. If you've ever tried to take a walk and the hill seems gradual, after about halfway up that hill, it doesn't seem so gradual anymore. They're wondering, why are we not proceeding the way that we always imagine? Why aren't we storming the gate? He promised it. Why aren't we taking it down right now? Why Are we just walking? You look through the rest of the word of God for cases where Jericho comes up and you find it here and there. It pops up every now and then. You read about it in the story of Zacchaeus. You read about it time and time again. But in Hebrews 11, it starts talking about places like Jericho. It starts talking about people who walked by faith. Hebrews 11 is all about this faith that sustains us, faith that makes giants out of normal people. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. And then on to verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Hebrews 11 speaks about the faith of those who came before the men and the women who were giants of faith. It talks about Enoch and Noah and Sarah and Abraham and Jacob and Joseph and Moses. And then it talks about the walls of Jericho falling down. It brings up our story here tonight. It talks about Rahab and Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets. And it lays all of them out. But early on in this chapter, it speaks about a figure that we glance over time and time again. And it's Abel. We do Abel a disservice. In Hebrews 11 and 4, it says, by faith, everybody say, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, 
And through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. We do able and injustice when we focus all of, his, all of our attention on his murderous brother named Cain. Because like it or not, he becomes the focus of the story because Abel just seems like this meek and mild nobody. This guy who offered a sacrifice and though it was pleasing to God, he becomes an afterthought. But Abel, through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. We should be focusing on the righteousness and the obedience of his sacrifice. His sacrifice obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying himself saying, do you remember my Abel? Though he's gone through faith, he still speaks today. We miss the point of Jericho. Because we're all waiting for the walls to come down. We miss the point of Jericho. Because all we want to see is the victory that we've always imagined. The walls falling, it seems, were not the victory. The victory wasn't the victory at all. The victory was in the walk. The victory was in his righteousness. The victory is in the testimony of faith. We walk in and we say, I don't know when it's going to happen for me. I don't know when it's going to happen for my home, for my family. But all I'm called to do right now is to walk. See, if if you take a step back and look at things from a certain perspective, you can see the ebbs and flows of a church. We ended 2018 with a great uplifting swell. Something happened in the spirit and it began to roll in. And we've, we started 2019 and you could still feel the tides of the spirit just rolling in and pulling out and rolling in and pulling out. And over and over again, you feel the sweet spirit of God. And if I can be perfectly honest, the feeling that's starting to kind of punch me a little bit is fatigue in the spirit. There have already been some devils that popped up here in the last few weeks that tried to rear their ugly head. And you might say, I don't know anything about that. Thank goodness. But there is an element of fatigue that would love to find its way into this body. I'm not asking for anybody to run. I'm not asking for you to jump. I'm not asking for you to exert yourself in the force of battle. All that God wants from us today, every single day, is to get up and to walk forward. To get up and to say, I'm tired, but it doesn't matter. Because I have a promise that there is a victory ahead. Right now, I'm just going to walk Right now, I'm going to raise my hands and I'm going to worship the King of Kings because I know that the victory lies ahead. Today, I'm going to walk. Today, I'm going to walk. Today, I'm going to walk. And I'm going to believe that the promises of God are right around the corner. If you're trying to walk, if you're trying to walk, I'm just making a special call. If you're still a little bit weary 
and you're saying, you know what, I've got a few battles. You don't have to have some monumental thing in front of you right now. But if you're fighting a battle whatsoever and you're getting a little tired, would you just begin to walk? Would you walk to the front? I'm giving an open call. I'm not asking for everybody to do it in mass if you don't feel like it. I'm asking for you if you need to walk and you feel your strength leaving you. Walk forward. Walk forward. We have needs in our body. We have needs throughout the body of Christ. We have them all across this building. And we have some fights that we're tired of fighting. But the whole key to this thing is that we fight with our walk and God does the rest. God's not asking for us to be superhuman. He's not asking for us to be absolutely perfect, though we're, we're supposed to pursue it. He's not asking for you to be perfect. He's asking for you to walk. He's asking for you that whenever we pray together in an altar, we don't look around wondering what to do. We're apostolic. We know what to do. We know how to call upon the name of Jesus, and we know how to walk. So I'm asking right now, if you would across this place, whatever your fight, close your eyes raise your hands and say God I'm not backing down I'm not getting tired enough to stop walking I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going to pray in the spirit and I'm going to pray with belief and I'm going to pray with authority right now somebody needs to be lifting your voice you know how to walk you know how to walk you know how to pray you know how to push in the spirit somebody push past the wall that lies in front of you somebody push just enough to touch the throne of God somebody pray until you feel the spirit somebody push somebody push Jesus we need you in this place tonight wonder what the next step ahead is for tonight just pray keep your eyes closed keep your hands raised and you pray to God right now and you say father I'm believing father I'm gonna keep on walking father I'm waiting for you to win this victory somebody pray in the spirit pray with your whole heart pray with everything that you've got within you for a few moments here tonight Jesus singing this song together but I want you to pray this song together tonight and I want you to pray it from the bottom of your spirit let it come out let it burst forth out of your soul tonight we know a breakthrough is coming a breakthrough is coming by faith
preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and all teaching. If we're going to walk the walk that God has it's prophesied to us, that he's asked of us, that he's commanded of us, then we need to be ready in season and out. If the legs are weak, if they are heavy, if they're tired, it doesn't matter. If there's somebody right now that needs extra prayer, you need a battle to be won. You're tired of fighting. Would you raise your hands? Because we're going to get an opportunity for everybody else. Raise your hands high. Raise your hands high. Look around you right now, church. Don't look at me. Look around you. Find a hand that is raised and begin to walk the walk by delving into the Spirit and praying the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the power of the blood of Jesus, and an actual change in the circumstance right now. If we're to be ready, then be ready right now. Father, we declare the work of the Holy Ghost. God, sweep through in your spirit. <laughs>